When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The poem says, Human voices wake us, and we drown. But I've made this podcast with the belief that human voices are what we need. And so, whether from a year or 3,000 years ago, whether poetry or prose, whether fiction or diary or biography, here are the best things we have ever thought, written, or said. Whether you're a poet or not, one of the great truths about Walt Whitman seems to be that he makes us want to talk about ourselves in relation to him, our relationship with him, so that in introducing what many consider to be his, uh, his best poem, it brings, or it takes me back, actually, it takes me back to grade school, sixth or seventh grade, when, and this was before I had discovered talk radio, as far as I can remember, where I wanted to have a radio show of some kind. And for a few days, I had uh, uh, some sort of a, a cheap microphone attached to an old cassette deck, and I was taking turns uh, trying to say something. I don't even remember what it was. And many of the earliest writing that I ever did was just recording stories that uh, I had written down and that me and my brother recorded and we mailed the cassette tapes back to our friends uh, in the town where we grew up in. And so that I've always associated writing with reading aloud, that that is how you share it, even if it is prose. A story is meant to be read aloud just as much as uh, what we might just call a poem. Um, and that might be actually uh, why I skew and lean towards narrative poetry. I want the story and I want the lyric, but I also want it to be a poem. I want it to sing and tell a story. Um, obviously, I never got very far in doing a radio show in the sixth grade. But then uh, about 10 years later or so, to, yeah, about, about 10 years later, um, 10 or 12 years later, when I started to do, or when I was uh, doing a lot of poetry readings, someone showed up with uh, uh, some sort of uh, Sony thing, I can't even remember what it was called, and it recorded the audio of the reading so beautifully. And I spent a while there trying to find out what it was the person had used, what kind of microphone he had, and I never found it. But then uh, when I moved to Pittsburgh, and I had a small house, or I lived in a small house, in two rooms in a small house, 
and I believe rent was about $220 a month. And I lived right next door to a synagogue, which boded well for me uh, years later converting to Judaism. And every night I would, uh, even though I had a car, I would uh, take walks, take long walks at night around the neighborhood where I lived. And one of the things that I would try to do beforehand was record myself. I was always on the, on the trail of trying to find some consistent and decent way to record myself reading poetry, whether my own or other people's poetry. And the one poem I kept settling on over and over again was Walt Whitman's When Lilacs Last in the Dooryard Bloomed. This was a poem that, uh, when I first went through Leaves of Grass, the first one or two times, probably, it was a poem that I really didn't notice very much. But I'm very susceptible to other people's hyperbole uh, when it comes to poetry and literature. So that if someone says, this is one of the greatest poems, this is one of the greatest authors, etc., uh, I, I won't be convinced, but I'll at least take a look. And it happened, it so happened that I came to this poem for the first time, really, after reading Harold Bloom calling it uh, one of the great poems in the language. And if we consider Whitman, and I think it's right to say, if not the greatest American poet, then at least the poet that even formal poets today still cannot get away from. He is still the one American poet that has sort of uh, influenced all of us, or if you don't like him, you can say that he is the one poet that has infected all of us. Uh, he is the one inescapable American poet. Then it's possible to say that outside of Song of Myself, which is more a small book than it is uh, what we might comfortably call a poem. Um, and actually, Paul Zweig has a good deal to say about that. That um, in his biography of Whitman, he makes mention many times that Song of Myself is not even meant to be a poem or literature. It's in its first incarnation as it's presented in print. Uh, there, are, there is no title, there are no uh, section numbers, um, it is meant to be life itself, you might say. And whereas that might seem like a cliché nowadays, uh, just pick up Song of Myself and see if it isn't true with that one. Whereas When Lilacs Last in the Dooryard Bloomed is very much a poem, a literary poem, a mourning over the death of Abraham Lincoln. And so when I read this now, what I'm remembering is uh, summer nights in 2004, just before the 2004 election. Uh, it's strange to think that that election was considered to be fraught and divisive. Um, and it's also the summer where I met my wife, and I'm sure many of the times that I tried to record this poem and then walk around listening to myself reading it, 
I'm sure a majority of those times after I met her uh, and before I crossed the country to live with her, I'm pretty sure that the mourning that was going on, at least in my mind, was uh, for being uh, apart from her. But it's also my earliest experience of Whitman, my wish as a sixth or seventh grader to have a radio show for some reason. Where does, where does, where does the idea come from? Um, all of it all mixed together and now a sort of different and 40-year-old's uh, version of appreciating Walt Whitman. So all of that comes in here. And hopefully I can do this poem some justice. Take a drink first. When lilacs last in the dooryard bloomed, and the great star early drooped in the western sky in the night, I mourned and yet shall mourn with ever-returning spring. O oh, ever-returning spring, Trinity sure to me you bring, lilac-blooming perennial, and drooping star in the west, and thought of him my love. O oh, powerful western fallen star, O oh, shades of night, O oh, moody, tearful night, O oh, great star disappeared, O oh, the black murk that hides the star. O oh, cruel hands that hold me powerless, O oh, helpless soul of me. O oh, harsh surrounding cloud that will not free my soul. In the dooryard fronting an old farmhouse, near the whitewashed palings, stands the lilac bush, tall growing with heart-shaped leaves of rich green, with many a pointed blossom rising delicate, with the perfume strong I love, with every leaf a miracle. And from this bush in the dooryard, with its delicate colored blossoms and heart-shaped leaves of rich green, a sprig with its flower I break. In the swamp, in secluded recesses, a shy and hidden bird is warbling a song. Solitary, the thrush, the hermit, withdrawn to himself, avoiding the settlements, sings by himself a song. Song of the bleeding throat, death's outlet song of life. For well, dear brother, I know, if thou wast not gifted to sing, to sing Thou wouldst surely die. Over the breast of the spring, the land, amid cities, amid lanes and through old woods, where lately the violets peeped from the ground, spotting the gray debris, amid the grass and the fields, each side of the lanes, passing the endless grass, passing the yellow speared wheat, every grain from its shroud, in the dark brown fields uprising. Passing the apple tree, blows of white and pink in the orchard, carrying a corpse to where it shall rest in the grave, night and day, 
journey is a coffin. Coffin that passes through lanes and streets, through day and night, with the great cloud darkening the land, with the pomp of the in-looped flags, with the cities draped in black, with the show of the states themselves, and the crepe-veiled women standing, with processions long and winding, and the flambeaux of the night, with the countless torches lit, with the silent sea of faces and the unbared heads, with the waiting depot, the arriving coffin, and the somber faces, with dirges through the night, with the thousand voices rising, strong and solemn, with all the mournful voices of the dirges poured around the coffin, the dim-lit churches and the shuddering organs, where amid these you journey with toiling, toiling bells' perpetual clang. Here, coffin that slowly passes, I give you my sprig of lilac. Not for you, for one alone, blossoms and branches green to coffins all I bring. For fresh as the morning, thus would I chant a song for you, O sane and sacred death. All over bouquets of roses, O death, I cover you over with roses and early lilies, but mostly and now the lilac that blooms the first. Copious I break, I break the sprigs from the bushes. With loaded arms I come, pouring for you, for you and the coffins, all of you, O death. O western orb sailing the heaven, now I know what you must have meant, as a month since we walked, as we walked up and down in the dark blue so mystic, as we walked in silence the transparent shadowy night, as I saw you had something to tell, as you bent to me night after night, as you drooped from the sky low down, as if to my side, while the other stars all looked on, as we wandered together the solemn night, for something I know not what kept me from sleep. As the night advanced and I saw in the rim of the west, ere you went, how full you were of woe. As I stood on the rising ground in the breeze and the cool transparent night, as I watched where you passed and was lost in the netherward black of the night, as my soul in its trouble dissatisfied sank, as where you, sad orb, concluded, dropped in the night and was gone. Sing on there in the swamp, O singer bashful and tender, I hear your notes, I hear your call, I hear, I come presently, I understand you, but a moment I linger, for the lustrous star has detained me, the star, my comrade departing, holds and detains me. Oh, how shall I warble myself for the dead one there I loved, and how shall I deck my song for the large sweet soul that is gone, and what shall my perfume be for the grave of him I love? Sea winds blown from east and west, blown from the eastern sea and blown from the western sea, till there on the prairies meeting, these and with these in the breath of my chant, 
I perfume the grave of him I love. Oh, what shall I hang on the chamber walls? And what shall the pictures be that I hang on the walls to adorn the burial house of him I love? Pictures of growing spring and farms and homes with the fourth month eve at sundown and the gray smoke lucid and bright with floods of the yellow gold of the gorgeous indolent sinking sun burning, expanding the air with the fresh sweet herbage underfoot and the pale green leaves of the trees prolific. In the distance the flowing glaze, the breast of the river, with a wind dapple here and there, with ranging hills on the banks, with many a line against the sky and shadows, and the city at hand, with dwellings so dense and stacks of chimneys, and all the scenes of life, and the workshops, and the workmen homeward returning. Lo, body and soul, this land, mighty Manhattan, with spires and with sparkling and hurrying tides and the ships, the varied and ample land, the south and the north and the light, Ohio's shores and flashing Missouri, and ever the far-spreading prairies covered with grass and corn. Lo, the most excellent sun, so calm and haughty, the violet and purple morn with just-felt breezes, the gentle, soft-born, measureless light, the miracle-spreading, bathing all, the fulfilled noon, the coming eve delicious, the welcome night and the stars, over my city's shining all, enveloping man and land. Sing on, sing on, you gray-brown bird. Sing from the swamps, the recesses, pour your chant from the bushes, limitless out of the dusk, out of the cedars and pines. Sing on, dearest brother, warble your reedy song, loud human song, with a voice of uttermost woe. O liquid and free and tender, O wild and loose to my soul, O wondrous singer, you only I hear. Yet the star holds me, but will soon depart. Yet the lilac, with mastering odor, holds me. Now, while I sat in the day and looked forth, in the close of the day with its light in the fields of spring, and the farmer preparing his crops, in the large unconscious scenery of my land, with its lakes and forests, in the heavenly aerial beauty, after the perturbed winds and the storms, under the arching heavens of the afternoon swift passing and the voices of children and women, the many moving sea tides, and I saw the ships how they sailed, and the summer approaching with richness and the fields all busy with labor, and the infinite separate houses, how they all went on, each with its meals and minutiae of daily usages, in the streets, how their throbbings throbbed, and the cities pent low then and there, falling among them all, and upon them all, 
enveloping me with the rest, appeared the cloud, appeared the long black trail, and I knew death, its thought, and the sacred knowledge of death. Then, with the knowledge of death as walking one side of me, and the thought of death close walking the other side of me, and I in the middle as with companions, and as holding the hands of companions, I fled forth to the hiding, receiving night that talks not, down to the shores of the water, the path by the swamp in the dimness, to the solemn shadowy cedars, and ghostly pines so still. And the singer so shy to the rest received me, the gray-brown bird I know received us comrades three, and he sang what seemed the song of death, and a verse for him I love. From deep secluded recesses, from the fragrant cedars and the ghostly pines so still, came the singing of the bird, and the charm of the singing wrapped me, as I held as if by their hands my comrades in the night, and the voices of my spirit tallied the song of the bird. Come, lovely and soothing death, undulate round the world, serenely arriving, arriving in the day and the night, to all to each, sooner or later, delicate death. Praised be the fathomless universe for life and joy, and for objects and knowledge curious, and for love, sweet love, but praise, oh, praise and praise, for the sure and winding arms of cool and folding death. Dark mother, always gliding near, with soft feet, have none chanted for thee a chant of fullest welcome? Then I chant it for thee, I glorify thee above all, I bring thee a song that when thou must indeed come, come unfaltering thee. Approach encompassing death, strong deliverous, when it is so, when thou hast taken them, I joyously sing the dead. Lost in the loving, floating ocean of thee, laved in the flood of thy bliss, O death. From me to thee glad serenades, dances for thee I propose, saluting thee, adornments and feastings for thee, and the sights of the opened landscape of the high-spread sky are fitting and the life in the fields and the huge and thoughtful night. The night in silence under many a star, the ocean shore and the husky whispering wave whose voice I know, and the soul turning to thee, O vast and well-veiled death, and the body gratefully nestling close to thee. Over the treetops I float thee a song, over the rising and sinking waves, over the myriad fields and the prairies wide, over the dense-packed cities all, and the teeming wharves and ways, I float this carol with joy, with joy to thee, O death. To the tally of my soul, loud and strong, kept up the grey-brown bird, with pure, deliberate notes spreading, filling the night. 
loud in the pines and cedars dim, clear in the freshness moist the swamp perfume, and I with my comrades there in the night, while my sight was bound and my eyes unclosed as to long panoramas of visions. I saw the vision of armies, and I saw as in noiseless dreams hundreds of battle flags, borne through the smoke of the battles and pierced with missiles, I saw them, and carried hither and yon through the smoke, and torn off and bloody, and at last but a few shreds of the flags left on the staffs, and all in silence, and the staffs all splintered and broken. I saw battle corpses, myriads of them, and the white skeletons of young men. I saw them. I saw the debris and debris of all dead soldiers, but I saw they were not as was thought. They themselves were fully at rest. They suffered not. The living remained and suffered. The mother suffered, and the wife and the child, and the musing comrade suffered, and the armies that remained suffered. Passing the visions, passing the night, passing and loosing the hold of my comrade's hands, passing the song of the hermit bird, and the tallying song of my soul, victorious song, death's outlet song, yet varying, ever-altering song, as low and wailing, yet clear the notes, rising and falling, flooding the night, sadly sinking and fainting, as warning and warning, and yet again bursting with joy, covering the earth, and filling the spread of heaven, as that powerful psalm in the night, I heard from recesses. Must I leave thee, lilac with heart-shaped leaves? Must I leave thee there in the dooryard, blooming, returning with spring? Must I pass from my song for thee, from my gaze on thee in the west, fronting the west, communing with thee, O comrade lustrous, with silver face in the night? Yet each I keep, and all, the song, the wondrous chant of the gray-brown bird, I keep, and the tallying chant, the echo aroused in my soul, I keep, with the lustrous and drooping star, with the countenance full of woe, with the lilac tall and its blossoms of mastering odor, comrades mine, and I in the midst, and their memory ever, I keep for the dead I loved so well, for the sweetest, wisest soul of all my days and lands, and this for his dear sake, lilac and star and bird, twined with the chant of my soul, with the holders holding my hand, nearing the call of the bird, there in the fragrant pines and the cedars dusk and dim. Any comments or suggestions for readings I should make in future episodes can be emailed to Human Voices Wake Us, the number one, at gmail.com. Links to each work used in this episode 
can be found in the episode description. If you enjoy Human Voices Wake Us, you can subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. The music here is Duke Ellington's Arabesque Cookie.